Welcome to Build a Life After Loss, where we help women who have lost children to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, life coach and certified grief recovery specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 16, Showing Up. You may be wondering what that means, but before I get into that, I just want to say hello to all of our listeners. I'm learning more and more that there are people listening who have experienced loss beyond losing children, and I want to welcome all of our listeners, all of those of you that have experienced loss, which, you know, frankly, is everyone on the planet, isn't it? And each of our losses is unique and personal to us. And so I, I just welcome all of you and, and I appreciate you showing up. And that is the title of our show today. But really what I want to talk about today is the idea of commitment, like showing up in our life and the difficulty that we may experience showing up after a major loss. A major loss is an emotional experience. It's an experience of feelings. When we don't feel in control of those feelings, sometimes it's difficult to show up. So I want to talk about about what all that means, why it might be difficult to show up, and also talk about will it always be that way or will things change? And then in addition, are there things that we can do to help, to help us to be able to make commitments, to be able to show up in our life in the future? I wanted to tell you a little bit about what I've been up to lately. I had a interesting experience happen where I had planned a trip to visit my mom and my sister. They live in Nashville in January. And I actually just got back from there. And then just before, at the end of December, my husband decided that he was going to take off a couple of weeks in January and wanted to go visit his family. His dad has not been doing well for a long time. His mother passed away this past summer. And, you know, obviously we want to spend time with his dad. We want to be able to spend time with, with his family during, during this difficult time where we're watching his father age and we're watching his health decline in increasingly more significant ways. And so we decided to take this trip to Florida. And then also another thing that that happened kind of in connection with that uh, or about the same time period is my husband's nephew got married in Virginia, which was super exciting for him. Unfortunately, both of his parents have passed away. He is the son of my husband's sister, and she passed away two years ago, two summers ago, almost two, I guess two and a half years ago now. Um, she had a sudden heart attack, was only 56 years old, and passed away suddenly. And so our nephew's you know, mother was gone, but his father also passed away a few years ago. And we really wanted to be able to support him and his new bride and to be there for him during this very, very special occasion. So then it ended up that I ended up doing a tremendous amount of traveling because of all of these things kind of coinciding. 
And it was a very great experience to be able to go visit my father-in-law, my husband's um, brother and his family, his his sister and her family, and then be able to go attend this wedding, which was super amazing. There are two young people that have come together. Both of them have two children each. My nephew has two daughters and my, and his bride has two sons and they've created this wonderful family for their kids and for each other. And it was really a privilege to be there and to experience that with them. So I'm very, very grateful for that experience. And I also wanted to be able to still see my mom and my sister. We look forward to getting together every year and um, that was my time to do that. So all these trips kind of coincided together and it made for some interesting times before because I realized c- that I, I was going to be gone long enough that I needed to prepare three podcasts before I left, which I was able to get done. And then I was going to get back just in time to get the next one out. And so that's what I'm doing right now. We, we really did have a very special new year and a great opportunity to visit family and to reconnect with our loved ones that sometimes we don't get to see as often because of distance. I also wanted to mention another thing that's been on my mind, and that is I've had quite a few people when I mention to them I have a podcast or when they talk to me about my podcast, often I, I hear a comment that goes something like, that must be so healing for you to share your story and to share your experience. And I would like to say that while that's true to a certain extent, I kind of wanted to share the background of why I'm here sharing on a podcast. If you haven't heard my story, you can listen to that on episode one. And you can listen to the detail of that story. But briefly, my two youngest children died in a car accident in 2007. They were age 10. Carrie was 10. David was eight. And I was the driver of the car. And so it was a lot of work. It was a lot of personal growth and work to bring myself out of the hole that you can imagine that I went into after such a devastating loss. Honestly, when I started the podcast, I was in a really good place with my healing. I had so many interesting experiences that led to so much healing. And I don't want to go into all the details of that, but I will say that there were things that were put in my path and opportunities put in my path. And also, I'm definitely a believer in God, and I believe that God has been a great part of my healing. And I really feel like there's been things that have happened and, like I said, opportunities that I've had that have really helped me to strengthen myself. And in many, many ways, I feel like I'm in a better place now than I was even before my children died. And I know that sounds crazy. And if you're at the beginning of your grief journey, you may not understand what I'm talking about. And I totally, I totally get it. And so, you know, don't think that this is something where you go, 
you know, I'm in a bad place today and I, and there's a, and there's a path whereby tomorrow I'm in a great place, but know that it's been 11 years. And interestingly, I think that the fact that they died on Mother's Day was also another piece that made it particularly poignant and significant and, uh, and especially significant. I mean, I, I don't even know how to verbalize what I'm trying to say, but all these things that made this such a devastating loss created in me a, after going through those initial days of raw grief and tremendous pain, created in me a, a desire, a real push to want to figure this out. Figure out how in the world does a person go from being in this deep, dark hole to living a purposeful, joyful life? How is that possible? Is there an answer? And if there is, what is that answer? And so I went through some really significant yearnings and journey and significant searching. That's really the word I'm looking for. I went on a quest for answers. In that process, I found answers and I found things that were helpful and I found things that were healing. And I I was able to experience things and work through things in a way that has given me the life that I enjoy now. And I am tremendously grateful. And so this podcast came out of a desire to share that with people, not necessarily as a healing journey, but as a journey for me to really identify what were those things that made the difference. You know, can I boil down how I got from point A, and I would say point B, but I'm really going to say point Z because there's so many things in between that, right? When you go from a point A that's really a negative 1,000 to a Z that is really a 1,000, you know, it's not just going from zero to one. It was put in my heart and I, and I, I'm not sure I can express this in a way that, that is easily understood, but it was put in my heart to share. You know, there's all these voices in our head when we, um, we receive a call to do something. Those little voices in our head that say, who are you to, to share your story? Who are you to share hope? Who are you to speak to people? I listened to those voices a little bit, and then I got to a place where it was definitely not something that I could sit on any longer. And that's why this podcast is in existence. It's not about healing for me. It's about sharing a message. It's about sharing a message of hope. It's about sharing a message of there are answers. Hopefully, in sharing, it's providing some of those answers that you're seeking along with other things that will come up in your life. And I really do believe 
in this connectedness. In fact, it was so fascinating that today I was reminded of a little book called Strengths Finder. And it's a, it's a book. I don't remember exactly how long ago this was written, but it's Tom Rath, R-A-T-H. It's a very small book and it's all about finding what our strengths are. And instead of, you know, focusing on our weaknesses and trying to take our weaknesses and, and working from there, you know, you think about a, a, a let's say a kid in school, you know, a fourth grader that's struggling with math. All the focus becomes teaching that child math. They might be really, really good at reading, but when the child comes home from school, the mom is sitting down and helping them with math because they're behind. They don't understand it. And the premise of this little book, Strengths Finder, is to identify what our strengths are and then come from a place of strength. By identifying our strengths, we can identify those things that we can do that are in our wheelhouse. And along with the book comes a quiz that you take online. And when you take the quiz, then they send back to you the top strengths that are identified in this quiz. And there's 34 different strengths that they identify. Not 34, sorry, let me explain that better. There's 34 different strengths that are, that are described in this book. And then when you take that quiz, then it tells you what your top five are. And then you pretty much just focus on those five. And, and each section is, is actually pretty brief, but it, it tells you a little bit about what that strength is. And then it tells you ideas for action, like how you can use that strength in your day to day life to progress personally, professionally, so forth. I had kind of, I I refer to the book every once in a while, but it was brought to my attention again this past week. And today I thought, well, I'm going to pull that book out again. And because I can't always remember, you know, what my top five are. I, I, I kind of have a, a, an idea, but I have to review it every once in a while to remember what it is. And this was so fascinating to me because one of them that I had completely forgotten about that was identified in the book was connectedness. And I want to tell you a little bit about what that strength, how they describe that strength. I'm going to read a little piece of this. It says, things happen for a reason. You are sure of it. I just thought this was so fascinating. You are sure of it because in your soul, you know that we are all connected Yes, we are individuals responsible for our own judgments and in possession of our own free will, but nonetheless, we are part of something larger. Some may call it the collective unconscious. Others may label it spirit or life force, but whatever your word of choice, you gain confidence from knowing that we are not isolated from one another or from the earth and the life on it. Man, I just was like, oh my gosh, I... I think that when I had read this before and when I had looked at it before, I thought, oh, you know, that's a nice sentiment. And yes, I believe that, but I don't know that I was living it. And, and when I read that today, it was so powerful because I thought, I, I think I'm finally, not only is that part of my belief, but it's, 
it's part of what I'm doing now. Here's another section that really spoke to me. Sensitive to the invisible hand, you can give others comfort that there is a purpose beyond our ordinary lives. The exact articles of your faith will depend on your upbringing and your culture, but your faith is strong. It sustains you and your close friends in the face of life's mysteries. Now, I cannot think of anything that's more of a life mystery than the death of a loved one. I just, man, that just spoke to me today when I read it and I thought, holy cow, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. We're really talking about coming to grips with this major change that has happened in our life that is a life mystery. Part of that healing process, part of the grieving process is coming to terms with those changes and coming to terms with what that means for us and understanding the pieces. And I think for me, I came to a place, you know, early on, I wanted to know exactly what happened and why it happened and why me and, and why, why was I driving the car and why did it happen to have, have, have to happen that way? And all these questions, as I grappled with those questions, sometimes I came up with answers, but most of the time I came up with what I'm going to call adequate answers. Answers that suffice, suffice for me now that I can live with, that I can move forward with. Not exact answers. I don't know that we will get exact answers in this life, especially for all the questions. I do think that sometimes there are certain questions that God or higher power answers gives us direct answers to because it's necessary and it's important for us to know. But there's a lot of answers that don't come and they don't come the way we want them to come. And so we have to, I guess for me, I needed to be in a place where I was at peace with the answers. And I was at peace with the understanding that I had, even if it was inadequate. So let's talk about showing up. I kind of, I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent there, but it really isn't a tangent. I think it's all connected. Speaking of connectedness, when I talk about showing up, one of the things that I noticed after my children died was that it was really difficult for me to commit to anything. It was difficult for me to say, yes, I can be at your event at 10 o'clock on Saturday. And I think the reason is, is because it is such an emotional experience that we are not, we don't feel in control of our emotions. And when you don't feel in control of your emotions early on, it's very difficult to want to put yourself out there because you don't know how you're going to feel. Like I might feel great right now, but what am I going to feel like Saturday morning? And let's be honest, early on, there was really no time that I felt great. And so I got into the habit of not wanting to commit to anything. If I don't feel good today and I don't feel good tomorrow and I don't feel good the next day and that goes on day after day and that goes on week after week as I'm grappling with all these questions, then there becomes a habit of not showing up. 
becomes a habit of not committing. It becomes a habit to not want to say that I can be someplace at a certain time, that I can show up for people, that I could take responsibility for anything. It's hard enough if you have you know, other children or other people that are relying on you, maybe a job. It's hard enough to commit to the things that you feel like, and I'm doing this with air quotes, the things that you feel like that you have to do, those responsibilities that you feel like you can't set aside during this time when you're grappling with all these questions and you're needing so much brain space and so much emotional emotional equity to process everything. And so when you become when you get into this habit, it's kind of like when I talked about the habit of cooking, I, I I frankly forgot how to cook during this time because everyone was bringing us meals and it, this went on for weeks. And then we had stuff in our freezer. I mean, it just kept coming and coming. And so I literally forgot how to cook. I'm not sure that I ever remembered again, frankly. <laughs> I'm not always good at uh, cooking and and planning meals, but that's another story. Anyway, when you get into this habit of, of not showing up, then it just becomes, it, it just goes on and on. I want to tell you about an experience that I had more recently. This was only a couple of years ago. So again, the accident happened in 2007. So this was about 10 years after it was Christmas 2017 ish when this happened. And I was in a professional meeting, a meeting of other business owners and other professionals. And we had a speaker that came into our group. And this was a woman who was the wife of a police officer who died on duty. And his death was fairly recent. I want to say that it had been less, it had been about a year, I want to say. I mean, it really was very, very recent. And shortly after his death, she had started a nonprofit to support other widows of fallen police officers, which was a noble and wonderful activity that she was involved in. But she came to speak to our group, and it was early one morning, and I remember when she started speaking, it was like I could feel her pain, and she was very stoic, and she was very professional, and she was very polished beautiful woman, very polished. And she spoke about her charity and what she was trying to do for these widows and how she was actually traveling around the country to support these widows. Wonderful, wonderful woman, wonderful activity, wonderful um, service that she was providing. But I felt so deeply her pain. It was as if I was there again. I think once you have felt that deep, deep sorrow, it never really leaves you in a sense that there's a remembrance. And I broke down. I broke down in the middle of this meeting. And she didn't, but I did. And I I looked back on it and I thought, it was really just feeling her pain. And I didn't want to suppress those emotions. And I I can't even remember how, if there was another time that I did that, you know, in the previous 
say, two years. I mean, you know, early on, yes, I broke down easily in meetings and different activities that I participated in when I did. And that was a normal course of of grief. But it had been a long time since I'd had an experience like that. And I didn't apologize for it. And I I really did have to to think through my mindset on that and realize that that's a human experience. What happens early on, I think, and what happened for me is that when you have these experiences, when you break down in public, in your mind, you can have thoughts like, oh, I, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be crying. I, I shouldn't be so sad. I need to show up in a different way. And we become inauthentic. And we, we put on a stage presence instead of being who we are. There's some benefit in compartmentalizing as we go through our process when we get to that place where we feel the sadness and, but we're in a setting that we feel like maybe isn't conducive to expressing those emotions. And we can compartmentalize and we can put off expressing that sadness. I hope that makes sense. I mean, I don't think that we should be suppressing our emotions, but it's just like, I'm standing here in this position and, you know, 30 minutes from now, I'm going to be home or I'm going to be in my car and I, and, or I'm going to be with my family where I feel safe and I can express those emotions with my family, or I can express those emotions with a friend, whereas we may not feel safe with a stranger. I I guess that's really what I'm talking about. But the thoughts that we have around it can really determine what our experience is. So if we continuously think badly of ourselves because we're unable to control ourselves, which is not helpful, it's not helpful for us to be impatient with ourselves. It's wonderful if we can be patient and compassionate with ourselves. When we're patient and compassionate with ourselves, we are more prepared to be patient and compassionate with others. As we change our thinking around our experiences, it becomes easier to show up. So let me tell you what I mean. If you're in in an experience like I had, where I was in this professional meeting, which isn't often considered the best place to cry, and you're in this professional setting and you cry, and then you tell yourself things like, I just can't do this. I'm, um, I shouldn't be crying. I, all these negative thoughts that say that we didn't show up the way we should then the next time that we have an opportunity to be at a similar meeting, we're going to avoid it. But if we have an experience where we cry in a professional setting, I'm, I'm just using that as an example because that was the example that I shared with you. But if I have, had cried in that professional meeting and I had told myself, oh my gosh, what are people going to think that was horrible that I broke down in this this meeting I embarrassed myself. I made people feel uncomfortable. Then the next time I have an opportunity to be with that same group, which was, this was a meeting, this was a group that I met with every week. Then I could either show up at that group the next week and 
not be present because I was so concerned about the way I had shown up the last time, or I could hide and not show up at all. But the third option is to be compassionate with ourselves, think about what happened, why it happened, and recognize, like for me, it was like, I felt such compassion for this woman that I broke down and it it reminded me of my own sorrow, but I didn't create additional drama around it. I didn't create a negative experience for myself. Now, I did have some thoughts that were like, oh my gosh, what happened? But I managed those thoughts. And, and I thought, what, I, what happened was human. What happened was human. It was natural and absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about. And because I decided, I made a decision that that was my thoughts about the experience, then it made it a hundred times easier to show up again, to be in that setting again and, and show up in a way that was professional, that was where I needed to be and how I needed to be. And I didn't shrink. And so I guess that's my encouragement is early on, you may have experiences where it's hard to show up. Another area where early on was hard to show up was church. Church and faith and belief and the spirit can be very emotional. And when we're already on an emotional ledge, it's very easy in those settings to what sometimes people call be triggered. And all that means is that we have thoughts and feelings that come up for us during those times. And so it can be difficult in those settings to be there, to commit to being at something like that. For me, I felt like it was important for me to be there. And I'm so grateful that not only did I show up, but that I worked through those emotions that I broke down sometimes and it was okay. That sometimes I showed up and I didn't know how to act and it was okay. That sometimes I showed up and I was fearful. Sometimes I showed up and I was anxious, but I showed up anyway because it was important to me. Doing that helped me to walk through those different emotions and brought me to a better place. I really do feel that way. Now, I will say that you may want and desire to step back from some of your commitments during your grief in order to give yourself the space and the time to think through all the questions that you have to accommodate the changes in your life. And that is totally good. I'm just inviting you to be intentional. If there's something that you want to be doing, and you're stepping away from it out of fear of how you might show up, really think about how much do you really want to do that thing? And if it's not important, if you decide it's not a priority, then step back and give yourself the space. If it is a priority for you and it's difficult, you may decide that it's still a priority even though it's difficult. So just be conscious and intentional about those decisions. So the things that I would say helped me in that is to really consider my mindset 
Am I being compassionate with myself? Am I being loving? Or am I being judgmental and harsh? And if you can identify a way to be loving and compassionate with yourself, for me, that helped tremendously. Thank you so much for being here. You can visit buildalifeafterloss.com for more information and to read more about my story. And have a wonderful week.